All right, got Sam uh, from, I think the way you say it is, Cathexis, is that correct? or? That's exactly right. Perfect, man. I don't want to butcher your band name 30 seconds into an interview, so that's... <laughs> no worries, no worries. And cool. It's our first interview, so, you know. Hey. Yeah, mistakes I'll, are fine. I'll, I'll be gentle, I promise. <laughs> um, cool. So, uh, I kind of want to ask you, and this is just kind of off to the, the, the a little left to center, but on the album, it says that you're guitar right. So does that mean that you're only in the right ear of the entire recording? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We deliberately decided to, I guess, delineate that. Like with Chris not being on the left channel the whole time, me on the right channel the whole time, uh, except for the one guitar solo in the album that's performed by Chris in Library of Babel, mm-hmm. which is a center channel. But, uh, yeah otherwise it's all just you know completely divided between us two yeah because when i listen to it in headphones it's really interesting i can hear the two different guitars playing and that's why i was kind of really curious if that's what that meant or not so yeah i I don't really see bands um i guess differentiate between the channels very often or like if ever i don't know if i've ever seen that but uh yeah we decided that we wanted to highlight that a little more so yeah just have to disclose it that way yeah no that's that's really cool uh, so I'm going to only talk about two records because I've only heard two of them. Uh, so I, I, I've heard Pillar of Waste and then Untethered Abyss. Uh, so that's kind of where I'm at. So I'm going to yeah. start. I'm going to start with Pillar of Waste just because it was many, many, many years ago. All right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, about it. <laughs> so I just kind of when I listen to that record, you can hear elements of where the band is going. But there's yeah. a but but there's a much more raw and thrashier kind of sound on that record mm-hmm. for me, uh, and there's two bands that I particularly hear a lot in Pillar of Waste, and I want to see if they were maybe influences. I don't know what you actually had to do with it. I don't know how much you had to do with it, but you can kind of talk to it just being a band member. But I hear a lot of Coroner and Creator in just the guitar tones and the reason why i say corner is because it's got that very proggy thrash element on that on on that record where i think you move more into kind of a death metalish tone on this record where a Mm -hmm. lot of it had a lot of thrash uh like extreme thrash back in you know the the old days so uh were those bands influences at that point in time because they really sound like they were uh um Coroner, for sure. We were listening to Coroner a ton during that time. Um, and, uh, yeah, we actually have a Coroner cover on that album. That's the last yeah. track. Uh, yeah, Mental Vortex, like, we discovered it, like, around that time. And we just thought it's, like, one of the pinnacles of metal songwriting. It's just, like, kind of under underappreciated. Like, usually people turn to, like, No More Color or you know, yeah. some other album that they have. But, uh, yeah, I think that album really takes the cake for us. Um, yeah, we were definitely listening to that a lot. Um, we do enjoy creator, but I wouldn't cite them as an influence per se. Uh, I mean, maybe it's indirectly an influence for us at that time, but, uh, yeah, I don't want to say that it was, um, like a deliberate influence for that album, but, um, yeah, it's kind of interesting. You talk about the guitar tone. Uh, so like Niall had their album at the gate of set through, um, and it actually seemed like it came out to a lot of disappointment from fans because they didn't like how it sounded because the production style was such a departure from what they had done previously. 
but we always thought that album sounded incredible. Like it was a, they took a risk in a new direction and like the way all the instruments are balanced with each other, uh, just how honest the performance of the guitar players is, all of that, that went into it. Um, so yeah, that was definitely like something that we wanted to try to emulate a little bit with Pillar Voice. Cool. No, awesome. No. Um, and it was on a, a label called was Mulligore Productions. Uh, it, it looks like was that you guys or was that somebody that actually put it out for you? It was someone that put it out for us. Uh, it was this really small Canadian label, and uh, yeah, just like right as we were putting out um, Color of Voice and even the previous album, uh, Shades of Apocalypse. Uh, when we uh, put that out online, like this person reached out to us and just asked us if we were willing to sign with them. So we were like, hey, I mean, we're impressionable young dudes, like like late teens or early 20s. And uh, we were just like, hey, man, it's an opportunity to sign. Let's just go for it. Uh, but just in my experience, things didn't really develop much further than that with those releases. Uh, there wasn't very much promotion or anything. So I'm not sure if releasing it through the label gave us any additional exposure than what we would have what we would have had already no i i totally get it i i would have not even heard of you if the new record didn't come my way so i i understand the the, the promotion side of it but it's a really good record and people should check it out because it's got a lot of flavors of the new record and if you like a more thrashier side of your band then yeah. you'll de you'll definitely dig this record so that that's i, I want people to kind of know about it even though it may not have had great promotion uh i listened to it i've listened to it a couple times and i've actually really dug it so uh good work on the record overall that's that i just want to let you know so Thanks, man. Um, yeah, when we kind of look at that album in retrospect, uh, yeah, there's a lot of things that we wish we would have spent more time on. But uh, I mean, Chris is like the mastermind songwriter, you know, for our band. And yeah, he kind of, yeah, just uh, nags on himself about that album a bit because it felt a bit rushed for him. But I thought, yeah, he was really starting to develop like a new sound you know, with the songwriting, he did that on that, on that album. So yeah, it still has a special place in my heart. Nice. So let's fast forward basically like six and a half years. Uh, and now, and now we're going to go to, uh, untethered abyss. Uh, and then, uh, this one's out on willow tip. Uh, and I'm going to say that this one kind of is a, it's a drastic departure in one way, but again, like I said, similar tones. Uh, the way I say it's a drastic departure is there's a lot of jazzy and very, very, very proggy elements on this, but in a way that still makes it a brutal death metal record. So I kind of wanted to ask, do you guys have a huge love of jazz? And the reason why I'm asking, and I know you're both from the same area, okay? So uh, I'm just calling it out for what it is. But there is, and I'm not politically correct, so I curse like a son of a bitch sometimes. But uh, no, you, uh, you fucking remind me of the death metal version of Watchtower so much that it's, <laughs> that it's brutal. And the reason why I say that is because you mix jazz and like extreme metal in a way that is catchy. And there's only really Spastic Inc. And, and Watchtower are the only two bands I've heard kind of merge those two elements in the similar way and it's just ironic that you're both from the same area so i don't know if it's just 
you know, a local tone or, you know, like you guys have heard it a lot, but was Watchtower a big influence on you guys for this record? I don't think that was a deliberate influence. We do like Watchtower a lot. Like Ron Jarzenbeck is one of my favorite guitar players. Uh, I mean, I first discovered it not even through Watchtower or Spastic Inc., but through Blotted Science. Yeah. Uh, a completely different sound. But, uh, yeah, it's kind of crazy to hear that. I mean, I guess it kind of makes sense because, yeah, we do like jazz a lot. Um, I mean, we're not big jazz heads, like, per se. Like, we never mm -hmm. went to school to study jazz or anything. Uh, but yeah, I, I do like to listen to a decent amount of jazz and fusion, and uh, so do yeah Ian, Chris, Ian and Chris, and uh, yeah, actually everyone in the band listens to some jazz as well. Um, I don't think the jazz influence was so deliberate, but I guess we kind of developed, um, let's say, I guess like a different sense of musicality by listening to a lot of jazz because you know they have a lot of like complex uh, chords and like harmonies and all that. And uh, especially with like Horizon bands, you know, going with that dissonant approach these days. Um, yeah, like uh, Artificial Brain. They're, yeah, we love that band, and I feel like they kind of do that really well, where they, yeah, get these, you know, funky chords and they're able to like mesh them into a coherent riff. Uh, so yeah, that's definitely probably where that jazzy influence comes from. Um, and uh, yeah, one of my favorite bands is also Defeated Sanity. And, um, yeah, they don't usually use, I guess, like, big, complex chords very much, but a lot of people give them credit for having these jazzy passages throughout the album. Absolutely. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, I'm sure our love of that band um, kind of seeps into our songwriting as well. Cool. Awesome. Uh, I, I was going to say, two other bands that kind of, like, really come to mind when I listen to the new record is... Uh, like mid period atheist kind of really comes to mind when I, when I listen to the way yeah. the guitars and bass play. Um, and then beyond creation is another band. And I'm really going to say that like, uh, you guys are kindred spirits. Like I almost feel like they're, they're the less jazzy side, more technical side. And you're the more technical jazzy side. Like if you separated the sound, you and beyond creation are just like, brothers of just two different forks so like i just like these are the things that i hear um and uh, it th i think that's the reason why i like this record so much is because you mix that kind of freeform jazzy element with that tech death and prog uh but yet you stay death metal the biggest like the biggest knock i have for bands is they once they start going into that direction, all of a sudden death metal is a dirty word and they start, they, they start lightening up. Your riffs are full on death metal riffs. Like it is, it is a beautiful thing to see. You can be technical, you can be, you know, uh, forward thinking, but still keep that brutal sound. Was that, uh, definitely a thought process on making the new record? Yeah, you got a hundred percent, right. Uh, we always just want to keep it, you know, like fucking death metal, you know? Uh, so, you know, like, yeah, I guess, like, around the time we came out with uh, Chase of Apocalypse and Pillar of Waste, like, one of the thought, I guess, uh, thought patterns that we had was, let's not, you know, just default to having blast beats over everything. Yeah. You know, not creative or whatever, you know, but then I think uh, eventually we realized that, you know, blasting is awesome. Like, I want a lot of blast beats. Like, that's death metal. <laughs> And yeah, if you don't know what to do over something, you play blast beats, and usually it's gonna work out pretty 
pretty great, you know? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, like metal is our first love, you know? And sure, yeah, we like jazz. Uh, yeah, maybe we'll even venture into like listening to classical music or the, some of the guys really like hip hop and all that too. But, you know, for Cathexas, we're a death metal band, you know, and we're yeah. going to do that. But it's kind of funny that you mentioned uh, Beyond Creation. Um, yeah, we had a chance to open for them uh, years back. And, uh, yeah, one of their guitar players, you know, like they're like, like French Canadian, mm -hmm. so they have a, I guess, a strong uh, relationship to Gorguts, who are also one of our main influences. Uh, I think you could probably hear some of that Gorgut sound creeping in with Pillar Voice, and then being more solidified with a new album. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, like their guitar player came up to us and was like, "Yeah, you guys have some Gorgut influence, right?" And, and yeah, he just had that ear and recognized it. He seemed very excited about it, so. Oh yeah, cool. I, I would not be doubting it because he heard his guitar tones just played in a different way, and that always excites guitar players. Me being a guitar player myself, if I go see a show and I'm like, "Oh, that dude plays the same fingering style I do," like it always just you're like you're like it's not just me. Okay, I don't play this really weird butchered style alone now, but like yeah, no, cool. Um, so I, I want to I know you're the guitar player, but I want to talk a bit about your rhythm section. Uh, I know yeah. they're not here right now, but the bass and the drums on this pretty much make the record for me. And here's the reason why, uh, because the bass is a completely autonomous instrument on this record, which I love. Like you yeah. can, yeah, you can hear it playing off the guitar, playing off the vocals, playing off the drums. Like, it's just one of those things where you don't normally hear it in such a way. Like, I can hear, like, bass harmonics just because the vocals are being done a certain way, and he knows that that tone's going to sound good with uh, the lower vocals versus the more higher death vocals. Uh, and you're your drummer doesn't overplay. I know you talk about blast beats, but the greatest thing in the world is, is, I mean, we all love Gene Hoagland. Don't get me wrong, but there's only so much you can listen to that mind exploding blast beat. And if it's like 70 minutes of just that beat, it becomes overkill. But he yeah. knows he knows when to put the blast in and when to lay it back down and put those grooves in. And the same thing with your bass player. Um, do they do they write separate pieces and then bring it in after like the idea of the song is, or is it more of you guys all just jamming together to get ideas? Uh, that's a loaded question. Uh, <laughs> I. Yeah, I'm humbled to be able to play with guys like um, Oscar and Felix because they're amazing musicians. Oscar is probably like the most like musically versed member of the band. He's the play bass player. We give him a lot of free reign on what to do because his musical ideas are you know usually right on the mark. And we just want him to add you know his own flavor, make our music you know sound in a way that I don't even expect it to sound. And yeah, he can do that. And I think, yeah, your comparison to, like, I guess, mid-era atheist is pretty on point. Because, yeah, like, um, yeah, I guess with, like, Roger Patterson and, like, Tony Choi, like, those were yeah. really incredible bass players who, yeah, just added their own flair to the music instead of just, like, copying, you know, what the guitar players are doing. Right. And, um, yeah, Oscar, we let him do that. And, 
yeah, we're more than happy with the results that he's given us. It's like, especially for like the intro to Library of Babel, like he did this thing where he just uh, like swells in with his bass volume. Yep. And then like right when everyone just comes in, he just rattles that low string. And you can just really hear and feel that. And uh, like that wasn't like a deliberate thing that we had in mind when we wrote that song. Like he brought that in and just like oh, made that moment just so much more killer. Uh, and uh, yeah, Felix is an incredible drummer. Uh, you know, I guess yeah, he's a pretty modest guy, but I'm gonna yeah rep him up a little bit. You know, a few years ago he won like the world's fastest drummer contest for his feet. Oh wow! Yeah, uh, yeah, and we that guy plays in the same band as me. Uh, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's got great musicality. You know, he doesn't just play metal. Uh, you know, he's played with a lot of like cover bands and all that too. Mm-hmm. He studied music in college and uh yeah, he knows what he's doing. Uh yeah, he definitely has his own taste and knows what he wants to gravitate towards. Cool. No, yeah. I, I, you all know what you're doing and that's one of the nice things about the record is it's five guys that have tonality, five different tones, but it works so well together as one unit. And that's the kind of thing that I really love about this record is um, even the vocals to me, like Ian, uh, he, his voice is an instrument. Like it's not just, it's not just some guy doing pig squeals or guttural growls. Like you can hear, he hears the guitar tone or the bass tone and says, okay, this is going to work. And I'm going to do this vocal style here. And to the untrained ear, yeah, it's going to sound like death growls. But to someone like you or I that have listened to this music for, I mean, I'm 48. So I've listened to this music for 30 years. uh, You can hear the nuances of when he brings it up a little bit. He brings it down a little bit. He throws more of a harmony on it. And then what's the toughest thing and what I love about Ian the most is he can throw a hook on his voice that yeah. almost that almost matches the bass tone, and it's this catchy vibe where sometimes I can't tell the difference between the bass and his voice because it's like one big giant warm hook. Uh, oh. Yeah, so like that's the thing I wanted to say is like you guys are just and the two guitar sounds though they are similar. Maybe I'm calling something out that's wrong, but I'm, I'm going to do it right now anyway. Like you are much more to me much more of a feeling guitar player where Chris is much more of very technical spot on. And I love the way the two of you kind of interplay with each other. Like you fill the holes in that Chris's kind of manicness kind of brings in for me. So when I put the headphones on and I hear the right and the left side, like your right side gives the fullness to like Chris's crazy kind of, off kilter guitar and then when he gets calm you know just at the right time to start going insane on your parts as well too so i don't know if that was done on purpose or if you guys have just played forever together and that's kind of a vibe but uh have you have you kind of worked that way with him like listen to what he's doing and then just make sure that it's like a good harmony to what he's doing yeah there is a there is some of that um I have never actually thought about it that way. Uh, but yeah, we have been playing together for a long time. So I think naturally, like some kind of synergy develops between us in the way we play. Um, 
Yeah, it's kind of hard to say though that yeah, we deliberately went for that approach where okay. you know Chris has this like rigidity um, and like hyper focus, like technicality with his style with, and uh, with me having a more of a feel focus. That wasn't deliberate, but uh, yeah, I mean it could del- it could definitely be on the record, and that's how I'm sure people could perceive it, and that's really cool to hear that from you. Awesome. No, great. Uh, so I guess the big question, which is like the elephant in the room, why almost seven years between a record? Uh, so, yeah, I guess like right after Pillar of Waste came out, uh, most of us were still in school. Uh, like I was finishing up uh, my program at the University of Texas uh, through 2015. And um, yeah, just life really kind of got in the way. And uh, for the songs that we were writing to, we were just trying to make sure that we were developing in a new way. We wanted to have like a distinct sound for sure. And that was a part of it. Um, but yeah, a lot of it is just, uh, yeah, life just happening, uh, you know, kind of delaying us. But, you know, we never gave up our vision. And I'm really happy that finally something came out. Nice. Awesome. Uh, so I guess the next thing I'm going to ask is, after after six plus years getting these songs together uh was willow tip the only choice in your mind like was that the place you wanted to go or was that the one that came knocking and just seemed to work right um willow tip was definitely the label that i wanted to work with the most they have so many of my favorite releases uh like it still hasn't hit me yet that my band is just released an album through Willow Tip. Yeah. Like, I saw a copy of the uh, vinyl packaging for the first time yesterday. Um, yeah, and it's just crazy. It says Cathexis on there, and then you turn it over, and there's that Willow Tip yeah. stamp on the back, you know, with their catalog number and everything. It just yeah, it boggles my mind, because, yeah, I've never had anything like that before. And just to be able to hold that in my hand, like, was pretty, pretty nuts. But yeah, I mean, we were definitely open to working with other labels, but uh, yeah, Willow Tip wanted to work with us, and there was no way that I was going to reject that. Yeah, totally just... under, totally understand. No, <laughs> um, they are absolutely one of the pinnacles in this style of music. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to disagree. A matter of fact, I just did a review yesterday of the brand new Noctabulist record, and yeah. Like, the, like the, your record and that record are probably two of like the best things that I've heard this year, uh, as far as music. So like, uh, Willow tip is always kind of forward thinking again on the bands that they do. And it's not going to be something that everybody likes, but if you like this kind of stuff, it is always quality. And then I want to talk about the, the vinyl because, I, it's the coolest thing and it seems like Willow Tip is just doing this now where they're doing like this mixed vinyl thing where it could be a random vinyl of any kind of colors like yeah. uh, was that done on purpose like because that seems like it's a thing that just recently started with the label where you don't know what swirl colored vinyl you're going to get um, yeah that wasn't really decided by us uh, okay. yeah that was more of a decision on Willow Tip's part which is really cool. I mean, I have like some of the releases uh, from other bands that are mixed platter. It's pretty cool. Um, I was really excited about the red and black vinyl, though. Yeah. It just like 
when we first got like a preview of what the vinyl might look like, we were our jaws, you know, just dropped because it just fit with the color scheme of the album artwork so well. And uh, yeah, we didn't know what Willowtip was going to do with it, but yeah, they gave us that preview, and we were just like, "That's the one." We got <laughs> nice. Very cool. Um, so that's a great place to kind of segue into. So I want to talk about the album cover um, for for Undertethered Abyss. Um, like the, the, the pillar of waste kind of gives me that death metal vibe, that thrash metal vibe. Like if you look at it, it reminds me of kind of a, a late nineties, early two thousand, like extreme metal record. This one kind of feels like you're painting a story. It's almost like Dante's Inferno comes to life in my opinion. Like that, like when I look at it, um, it is an abyss. I can't tell what abyss it is, but it's some kind of hellish landscape. Uh, did you purposely make sure that the album cover fit with the vibe and the kind of style of the record or was just, just, was this just a piece of art that was like, fuck yeah. Like this is too cool not to use. Uh, it's definitely the former. Yeah. We definitely wanted to have some creative reign over the artwork. Uh, yeah, cause like, you know, when you think back to your favorite albums, you do associate like the feel mm-hmm. of the record. And the feeling of the artwork like working together, um, like an album cover that really comes to mind when it comes to that is a uh, Planetary Duality by The Faceless, yeah, which is one of my favorite Tech Death albums. Uh, but yeah, like when I hear that sound, like and look at the artwork, like they work so well together. Like the album sounds like the artwork, and the artwork kind of looks like mm-hmm. the way the band sounds on that album. Uh, and yeah, we wanted to have something like that. Um, like we wanted to keep it a little abstract. We don't want it. We didn't want it to be super concrete as to uh, defining like what it is that you're looking at. Um, but there's a little bit of abstractness there, I think, uh, where you don't know exactly what you're looking at, but it's not too abstract to the point where you have no idea. Um, but in terms of uh, yeah, connecting the theme of the album with uh, the cover itself. Should probably ask Ian that he'll be able to talk about it more eloquently than I can. Well, Ian's not here, so you did a good job. Thank you very much for that. Um, sure. uh, I, I guess where, where we'll we'll go from there is kind of where do you feel more akin to as a band? Do you feel more tech death or do you feel more progressive death? Because you're one of those interesting bands, in my opinion, that mixes the boundary very much. Sometimes you're tech, sometimes you're proggy, sometimes you're just brutal death metal. Which one do you feel more akin to? If I had to pick, I guess, more tech death, but um, I guess we don't really have that typical tech death sound that, you know, people have come to associate with that term, you know? Uh, Like, we love brutal death metal a lot. Like, that's probably the style of death metal that I listen to the most these days, honestly. Um... Like, I don't think we were ever deliberately trying to have a progressive approach or anything like that. But I think that sound just kind of comes out naturally with what we're trying to achieve. Um, You know, I guess something that we really wanted to focus on was having concise songs that don't really lose your focus. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, there's so many, like, dense releases out there these days where bands are just... um, putting their ambition just like all on the table, just trying to build out these long, extremely developed songs. 
that also have a lot of intensity to them. And uh, I mean, honestly, for me, sometimes like I just lose focus when I'm listening to music like that because it's just a lot to take in at one time. Um, and I guess a lot of times it's bands like that who get that progressive label. So we kind of deliberately wanted to avoid, you know, having these long meandering songs. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it seems like some reviewers uh, thought that it, that kind of took away from the value of our music a little bit, but that's fine. Uh, I mean, I understand that, but some a lot of people are looking for that super dense, super developed, like very compositional kind of music. Um, but yeah, we wanted to you know keep it death metal. Death metal should be something that you could mosh to, headbang to. Right. You know? Hey, a, a four or five minute long song that kicks ass is a four or five minute long song that kicks ass. Like, let's just be honest. I mean, if you want that kind of style, this is exactly the way I feel. Then go to Obscura, go to Goreguts, because you're going to get those and you're going to get that perfect kind of record. You're not that band. You add so many different elements and layers to it that I wouldn't want Cathexis uh, to be that. I would want you, you know, I, I love what you're doing right now. If I want to listen to Obscura, I'm going to put an Obscura record on, okay? Like, that's just like the way, that's the way I feel. Like, I'm not looking for a clone. Um, so I'm going to talk about a couple of tracks that I actually love on the new record. And okay. I, ironically, they're back to back to each other. And I almost feel like it's on purpose. And if I'm just hearing an insane Fucking let me know. That's fine. I have no problems. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah. But Red Hook and Library of Babel, like those are my two favorite songs back to back. And the reason why is because they mix that hook and melody with the death metal fury, uh, where the other ones normally go in one direction or the other. These two seem to kind of be almost one song split up into two parts. The, you know, Red Hook is more of the angrier side to me. And then Library of Babel is more of the, okay, we're really throwing everything on the table here. And here's all the different elements that we as a band do. Can you talk about those two tracks for me? Sure, I'll give that a try. Um, the track list, the order of the track list uh, was something we did think about. We wanted the album to flow, you know, as naturally as it could. Um, without you know being too jarring between the songs or anything um those are my favorite albums you know where you just want to listen to from beginning to end and that's definitely something we wanted to try to achieve i don't know if we did uh you you and all the other listeners let us know if we we achieved that but um yeah for red hook and library um yeah i don't know that there was like a deliberate um continuity there you know when we were writing those songs but yeah whenever we were trying to figure out the track listing yeah we did feel that those songs you know flowed into each other really well so you know that was part of why yeah those tracks are where they are in the album cool no great they they do merge into each other so well uh even if it was subconscious it was a really good subconscious idea so (laughs) well done on that um the the i I guess what i want to talk about next is austin texas uh to me it seems like not the biggest death metal hub in the world uh now houston 
San Antonio. I, I see a lot of death metal from there. Uh, but Austin has always kind of been more, not to be rude, kind of hard rock and kind of, uh, you know, uh, metal, but on a lighter side of metal. There's some bands that are amazing from there, you know, like the Watchtowers of the World and things like that, I'm, you know, that I'm, that I'm talking about. But uh, what's the scene like there? Is 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 it growing as a big death metal hub now, or is it kind of like you and a, just a few other guys doing it and you know trying to bring it out there? I think it's definitely getting stronger. Um, sure, yeah. I don't think the scene here is quite as large as those other as the scenes in those other cities you mentioned. But yeah, like right now, you know. There's a band called Flesh Hoarder who signed with New Standard Elite, you know, like a slam, brutal death metal kind of band. Uh, yeah, we actually opened for them last night. And uh, yeah, they're gaining a lot of traction right now, you know, in the brutal death metal community. Um, yeah, there's a lot of good talent here for some reason. Yeah, the, their names just haven't really, you know, traveled too far. There was a band called Id that you know, I really liked. They were a technical death metal band that was around here, you know, before Cathexas jumped on the scene. Mm -hmm. They're very, very talented guys. Uh, unfortunately, they're not together anymore. Um, but yeah, I recommend that you go check them out. They're called ID ID. Um, and then, yeah, there's another brutal death metal band that, that's kind of situated between here and San Antonio called Defiled Crypt. Uh, and yeah, those guys are good friends of ours. And yeah, they kind of have that brutal death metal thing going on with some atmosphere added to it as well. That's really cool. And, um, images of violence. Uh, yeah. Another brutal death metal band that used to be based in Austin. I don't think they're really doing anything anymore. And now with, and a band that I really wish were still active is Starkolytic. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. I'm not sure if you're familiar with them, but yeah, they have released their, I think unique leader. Correct yep. me if I'm wrong. No, it is. But it's our unique leader. <laughs> Yeah, like, it's awesome. The Arcane Progeny, I think that's what it's called. Yeah, like, they were an awesome band. And, uh, yeah, I saw them, you know, when I was just, like, a young guy just trying to go to death metal shows as a kid. With, like, And I didn't even know, like, John Zig did vocals, you know. But, uh, yeah, he was a vocalist for them. And, yeah, like, I wish they were still around. Their band, they, they had such a killer sound. Uh, yeah, there's, you know, a myriad of other bands, too. Um, yeah, so the scene's definitely active. Uh, for some reason, I guess we're just not very good at promoting ourselves. <laughs> uh, but we definitely have talent here. Cool. Um, so live versus the studio, what would we see different in Cathexis? Like if I went to see you, how is it different than listening to you on record? Uh, well, playing live is always a challenge because you have all that adrenaline rushing inside of you. Uh, especially with the drummer, like Felix is a monster, and like if he's not on tempo, it's not because he's slowing down, but it's because he's playing faster, <laughs> you know. And uh, yeah, that and I like that, you know. Sometimes, yeah, it sucks that you're not able to play your guitar parts as cleanly as you would like because you're playing so fast, but you get more of that rush when you're, you know, trying to keep up. And you know, death metal, you should be fighting your instrument a little bit. And uh, I love that. I think there's a lot of energy at our live shows. Um, yeah, we really give it our all. Like Ian's a great front man, I think. He's great with the crowd interactions too, uh, which is not something you'll get on studio, obviously. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, we 
kind of develop like the slower parts a little differently live. You know, there's a break in uh, Library of Babel uh, towards the end of the song where that main groove comes in. Like that part comes in. Uh, yeah, live will often just hold out our chords right before that part kicks in, you know, just to create more suspense. And then nice. Felix will do the drum fill and then we'll come in with that part. So yeah, we'll play around with things like that live a little more. And uh, yeah, also for the end of the song, Mortress and Perpetuum, yeah, it's basically a drum solo for Felix. So, and he improvises that every time. So it's not like the parts are concrete for that section. So yeah, we just keep playing the riff out and yeah, listen to what Felix does. And when we hear the cue with his symbols that he's about to end the solo, then that's when we end the song. Nice. Um, so if let, let's say you're in a record store and you see your record for the for the very first time and you watch some kid just pick up the record and he looks over to you and he says, hey, have you heard this band? What do they sound like? How would you describe your band to this person who's never heard you before? <laughs> Man, you're putting me on the spot with a question like that's, that. That's right. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean... I would definitely say something like, yeah, it's, it's technical death metal um, with a little less focus on the technical side of things. We want to, we wanted it to be a little more like musically concrete. So yeah, I would say, yeah, if, if you like gore guts, you would definitely find the elements that you like on this album. Um, if you like artificial brain, you should definitely give our band a chance. Uh, yeah, even some brutal death metal influences. Uh, yeah, we do have some like slammy kind of riffs and um, like palm muted, uh, like fast runs you know, on the low strings of the guitar. Well, yeah, I mean, I've never really tried to define our sound before. So, yeah, this is, yeah, a bit challenging, but yeah, you know, mix of, yeah, a dash of necrophages, you know, a larger dash of gorguts, maybe. Um, Maybe even some decapitated. Throw that in there. Cool. All right. Awesome. No, that that that's great to know. Um, is there anything with the new record that after you had some time to listen to it, did do, do you think, uh, man, I, I wish we tried something a little bit different there? Or is this the record that at the end of the day you said, no, this is completely cathexis and. Uh, uh, any any little issues or any little flaws they're there for a reason and it makes the band the band yeah i think the album's an accurate portrayal of who we are as a band right now with all our strengths and our shortcomings as well um you know like if you really listen very closely to the record you're gonna see that you know not everything is perfect um but you know we decided to leave all those you know, i don't like it when albums sound too surgical with yeah. the production I want to capture that honest human performance. Uh, and I think we were able to achieve that. Um, maybe people will disagree, but I think it sounds like actual people are playing these songs. Uh, you know, especially with the drum sound. Like, there's so many bands that just have that, like, overproduced, uh, like, sample replaced sounding mm-hmm. um, yeah, production. And, yeah, I'm just not a fan of that. It doesn't sound like real drums to me. And it doesn't sound like I'm listening to a person playing, you know, when the production sounds like that a lot of the time. So, 
yeah, we wanted to really capture that human aspect of it, uh, you know, warts and all. Nice. Uh, are, are you going to head out on the road with this record, or is it going to be something that you're you're just going to do kind of one-offs and festival shows, uh, being that the world's starting to open up and people are starting to be able to get to see shows again? So, um, I would love to tour. Uh, yeah, that would be a dream come true for me. We don't have any tour plans developing at the moment, but you know, I would like to get figured. I would like to get something figured out with the band. But yeah, we'll see. But right for now, we're just uh, playing these one-off shows. We have a, a few shows coming up in Fort Worth and maybe one in San Antonio. You know, in the near future. So, but yeah, I would love to come out. You know, to different states. Uh, yeah, all over the country. You know, the West Coast, East Coast uh midwest you know you name it i'd love to be there and just play in front of different audiences but uh yeah we'll see what the future has in store for us not a problem at all so uh i'm, I'm gonna say thank you but this is my last question uh and then i'm gonna kind of let you talk about the band a little bit uh just to be able to, to hype it up because every band deserves that but my last question is pretty much a similar question i ask a lot of bands and uh this is going to be another thinker, so I'm, I'm throwing you on the spot again. Just be prepared. All um, right. So if you could hand your record to anyone right before it's finished and have them do finishing touches, produce it, engineer it any way you want that didn't do it this time, is there one person that you think could give it that special extra touch? Gotta think about this one. Yeah, yeah. it is a thinker. Man, I mean, I love uh, Leela Gruber from Defeated Sanity. Okay. That guy is just like a inspiration for me. He's just, yeah, a musical phenomenon. Like, he plays drums for them, writes almost everything for them. On their latest album, he actually played most of the guitar parts too, which is crazy wow. insane. And, uh, yeah, I just always loved his musicality. Like, sure, he might not be, like, the tightest or, like, the fastest drummer ever, but I think he's up there with being one of the most tasteful drummers out there, most musical. He just really knows how to coax so many different sounds out of you know, all of the instruments he touches. Nice. So, you know, to have that kind of mind, uh, yeah, do some kind of, like, I don't know, I guess you could call it consulting yeah. for us, that would have been, like, pretty, yeah, that would have been very valuable. Um, and, uh, yeah, let me cheat and even mention another person. Uh, yeah, there's Bob Katz, who's a mastering engineer. Yeah, pretty, he's been in the industry for a very long time, basically. Yeah, wrote the, literally wrote the textbook on mastering. Um, and I always loved how Epitaph by Necrophagia sounded. But I feel like a lot of bands try to, you know, emulate that sound, but... I really don't think anyone has really gotten that sound out of the record. Uh, and I want to say a part of that has to do with the mastering job that's done on it. Like, you know, it's got density, but it also has, you know, dynamic range and like the tones just work so perfectly. It sounds very natural, uh, but so tight. And uh, yeah, I would love to maybe one day have him master one of our albums to see, you know, how he thinks, you know, it should sound. Very cool. Um, so I definitely will leave links to your band camp and to your social media so people can kind of get in touch and get the record and find out, you know, all about you. But 
Uh, for the next couple of minutes, I kind of want to, Sam, just give you the, 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 the podium. Talk about the band. Talk about anything that's going on. Uh, anything that you want your fans to know about. So it's the, 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 the door is open for you to talk right now. Yeah, we're Tefexis from Austin, Texas. We like death metal. Um, we love playing for you guys. You know, if y'all want to invite us over to your hometown, set up a show, you know, just reach out to us, let us know. We'll be more than happy to try to arrange that to the extent that we can with everything going on in our lives. Um, yeah, we're just very humbled with all the reception that we've been getting. The fact that we're signed with a label like Willow Tip, the fact that, you know, there's a myriad of reviews online for us. It's just crazy seeing that. Uh, even including your video review, like it was just nuts being able to see that. And uh, yeah, even just telling like my social circle about it, you know, I'm just like, I feel like a kid who's just like super stoked about something again. And uh, you know, that's a feeling that I don't always have. So I don't take it for granted. Um, yeah, and we're not giving up. We're gonna, hopefully we'll get started on writing more material, you know, very soon. And we want to make a better record than the one that we just released. Um, you know, a lot of these songs have been in our heads for multiple years, so I think we've had a good time to just sit down and you know, really think about where we want to go next. So hopefully this next one, you guys will like it even more. Cool. No, thank you so much, man. Hey, speaking with Sam from Cathexis, uh, really do appreciate your time. And again, uh, love the record. If you do ever come out to the Phoenix area, I definitely will come see you. Don't you worry about that. Um, but uh, thank you again for the time, and uh, you have a good day, man. Hey, you too. Thanks so much for having us. This is uh, yeah, my first time doing an interview, and it's very flattering that I get to feel like a celebrity today. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, Sam. Thank you so much, man. You have a great day. Likewise. Cheers. Bye.